Hello, Aria. Hello. Now, hello. Hello now. Hello. <laughs> All right. Hello. And we're uh, so good at those. We are. Welcome to Arrow Chapter and Verse, Season 3, Episode 29, Special Episode 3. Uh, this time we're talking about Big Trouble in Little China. And when I say we, I mean, of course, myself, Seth Alcorn, my co-host. Patrick Donahue, and I'm going to say hello and welcome to an episode of the Click Tech. We don't keep numbers like that. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Yeah. <laughs> now, we don't have all the Click Tech clickers, but we've got Maddie B. We got Maddie Box. And, of and me, I- of course. I'm on the Click Tech now, too. There's, it's, it's fine. And also joining us is, let's take it around the Zoom call. Okay, yeah, you, Patrick, you're going to have to call out because I don't know what you <laughs> mean by around the Zoom. We've all got different views. Well, all right, I'll just do ladies it. first. Ladies first. Okay, ladies first. Okay, thank you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 excuse me, as the only woman here, Allison Harkey. That's it. That's all I got. My <laughs> wife. Well, I don't know. I'm, yeah. You know, I've never even listened to one of, po- one of your podcasts, so yes, I'm you not really sure you, you, you listen, to, you listen to how I spent my allowance. Oh, that's true, but that's mostly just you talking. So, that, well, so zero <laughs> chapter verse. So it's like being yeah. in my house. Yeah, no, it's, and, and for those of you who don't know, the reason she doesn't listen to Arrow chapter and verse is because I started the podcast on her suggestion, so I would not complain about Arrow shows to her. <laughs> She's Diabolical. Like, yeah, I know. It was very clever. It was a very clever scheme. It was yeah. true survival. Yeah. Uh, but let's see. Uh, we also have a Steve Major, uh, who you will remember from the uh, Five Deadly Venoms episode, of a special episode. And I want to say, like, episodes nine and ten of season two or something like that. You just absolutely cannot expect me to confirm something like that. <laughs> I, and I don't. I don't. But uh, those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, just go download the whole feed. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Download the whole feed. You should. Pleasure to be here, Seth. <laughs> uh, excellent. Glad to have you back again. And uh, let's see, appearing also for his uh, second time on Arrow Chapter Verse, we've got Jim Sharkey, who you will remember, hopefully, from the Five Deadly Venoms episode, although apparently he hasn't listened to it yet. I, I didn't. <laughs> you know what? Nobody tell. You're like, come come join the podcast. I know you like I know you like kung fu movies and you'll have a good time. And I'm like, OK. And I, and then I'd never heard anything again. And so I was like, all right, but I'm, I'm down to do another one and I'm having a good time. Thank I'm, I'm going to have to go back and like tag you on that so you know which which episode to download that would and, be well uh last but not least uh my friend from college ben johnson who is of the Darmalars podcast that's true hi seth thank you for having me and patrick yeah well thank you, know, you for acknowledging me ben. <laughs> <laughs> some people didn't i'm looking at you steve <laughs> I know where my uh, my, tendency is was to, my tendency was to talk to Seth because I know him, but <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. But I know there's hosts. Yeah, hosts all that's over the place. Right. That's exactly well. That's how we like to run our podcast. We don't know what's going on, but we know there are hosts. There's, there's, yes. there's a host of hosts. Minimum yeah. effort, maximum reward. <laughs> I do like that. Yeah, full transparency. Yes, no effort. Okay. <laughs> So, as I said, big trouble in Little China. And I have to say, apparently, apparently, I've never seen this movie all the way through. I thought I had. Really? I don't remember the bit at the beginning with Egg Shen talking to a lawyer. Well, neither does John Carpenter. (laughs) That was was clear at the end of the movie. uh, Because Because we we never go back. (laughs) We had half of a framing device. (laughs) 
Uh, um, and I, that was actually kind of disappointing, but yeah. I um, I had seen this a couple of times. Um, yeah. It's been a while yeah. si- since having seen it. Who else on the on the call had actually seen it before? Oh, I've seen, seen it, it several oh, times. Yeah. I, I, I love yeah. this movie. I, I, I'm sure it was something I watched 22 times on HBO in the 80s, no question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have never seen it. In fact, I thought this was, I thought he was wearing an eye patch. That's uh, but that's another movie. That's that that's Escape uh, from New York. I haven't seen it from LA. So or, in, or a, yeah. yeah, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, it's Kurt Russell with an eye patch. Okay. So I was waiting for like most of the movie to be like, okay, so when does the eye patch come? <laughs> 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 that's that's good old snake snake Pliskin. 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 So you, you missed the plot because you were looking up for <laughs> yeah. Andrews. <laughs> uh, Patrick, did I ever tell you about my my script for Escape from DC? No, you didn't. Yeah, it's 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 really simple. Uh Snake Pliskin is trying to rescue the president's daughter, but he gets caught on Canal Street in rush hour, and the bad guys just get out and shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he thanks them. That is, yeah. Yes. And that's, that's funny if you're a D.C. local and you know about the traffic. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, so we start off with this strange scene where Egg Shen, who is going to more fully be introduced later on, is uh, we find out he's a he's a he drives a tourist bus in Chinatown and he's also a sorcerer because we see him use a little magic to convince a guy to be his lawyer. It's it's like just a, it's a weird scene because the lawyer is conducting an interview to determine whether he's going to work for Egg Shen. Is that legit. what is happening? I thought it was a cop. No, because no, no. there is someone taking transcription in the back of the room. Yes. I've never noticed that before. And I, I would, I was like, is, is he not just like giving a deposition? No. Cause at some point the dude says, if I'm going to be your lawyer or something like that, but Allison had something to say. Well, all Allison was going to say was literally, that was a scene that was added in by the movie studio uh, because they didn't think the rest of the movie set up Kurt Russell as enough of a hero. <laughs> That's the whole point of the movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But, but I, I fail to see how they accomplished their objective with that scene. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I guess it's just Egg Shen continually saying, "Don't go after Jen. He hasn't he done enough for everyone? Like he's almost he's almost like the Britney guy from <laughs> yeah. the odds. Leave yeah. Britney alone. Leave, Leave Jack Jack Burton alone. alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and, uh, go ahead. I wouldn't. No. Oh no. Uh, you know, I, I get why the uh, why the studio would do that. I mean, this is thirty five years ago. The idea that the that the the white guy whose name everybody we knew wasn't the hero of the movie was, I think, a pretty bold choice by Mister Carpenter, given given that it was nineteen eighty six. Well, this. I mean, <laughs> they definitely you, didn't get it. You really could lift Jack Burton out of this movie. He's not. Yeah. The hero. He's he not the, he's, uh, he only, I mean, spoilers, he only really takes care of one guy. I he's mean, the sidekick. He's, he's he the, is the sidekick. The sidekick. He's, the Wang, he's the comic relief. Yeah. yeah. Wang so is, is the competent hero. Hero. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's the, the he's, movie's something that happens to Jack Burton. Exactly. Yeah, and that's I think that's actually the brilliance of it for me. It, it's and I, I will say that America did not agree with me because I believe the movie cost about eleven million dollars to make, and I think it only took in six at the box office. No, it it took in eleven, but it cost like twenty. All right, there oh, we go. Wow. I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah. there. I did a little reading in the slow parts. Oh, <laughs> thank you, baby. We You're appreciate welcome. you doing research. We usually don't. Oh, it was no, the only way to stay awake. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I love this movie and have seen it fifty times. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, at the time, it wasn't. I mean, it's clear now, years later, that 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 you know they were taking the piss out of Kurt Russell, and he was in on the joke. But yeah, I had it's the first time I've watched this movie in probably twenty years, and I've thought a couple times over the. I'm like. Was Russell really in on the joke here? But then, like, you look at him in like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff, and it's clear he's in on the joke. Yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm this. Ha- I've got handsome movie star looks, but I don't really take it that seriously. Right, yeah. like he, you can't film that scene where he's got lipstick on his teeth. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Like, and uh, not be in on the joke. <laughs> yeah, and that is <laughs> so funny. It's there's just like I was saying, there, there's a bunch of moments in this movie, usually where Jack Burton does something and does it incompetently that, yeah. that are just perfect. Mm-hmm. The timing is perfect. The, the writing is perfect. Kurt Russell does a brilliant job of being this uh, blowhard. Yeah. And Did anybody else get the impression he was doing John Wayne? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, Oh yeah, the 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 pattern, the speech pattern, the, the, the speech cadence, pattern, yeah. yeah, the whole thing. I I did a little research myself, and apparently this was actually supposed to be a western at mm-hmm. first. It was pitched mm-hmm. as a western, oh, and yep. then they made it an eastern. Yeah, the they, same idea, but like in in the eighteen hundreds, or yeah, some or at least a similar idea in the eighteen hundreds, something like that. Yeah, in San Francisco. Uh, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but we, that yeah. go ahead. We have this scene. We have, and it's 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 just a lawyer talking to Egg Shen, uh, and it's the way it's shot is. I understand why Patrick you thought it was an interrogation because it's shot that way. We see Egg Shen. We hear the person asking him the questions, but we don't see his face until about halfway through the scene, and then they start sort of sharing shots. So it's ominous for Egg Shen. It's like something bad is going to happen to Egg Shen. And then he he goes ah, but magic is real, and he makes lightning go between his palms, and the the uptight lawyer is amazed. And then we cut to Jack Burton's truck coming over a hill, the Just pork chop is rolling, yeah. and then switch to well, I guess it's not narrow narration. He's monologuing. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's just talking to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the, tie- exactly. He's tying and, up the CD. And, and and honestly, my dad was a trucker, and occasionally I would be able to listen to the CB, and that's not that much of an exaggeration. There's always some fucking douche blowhard. <laughs> oh, I hope this is a. Po- I, hope, I hope it's right to swear. <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> we're yeah, swear, swear away. Um, you know, and who who sounds exactly like that? Yeah, like it's not. It's not something crafted out of thin air. It's. A real personality that some people have. Yeah, now it. we I have podcasts. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the whole purpose of, of uh, Burton's rants on the CD is like, listen to listen to me. This is my opinion and what I would do, and and everyone really wants to listen to it. 
there's we we see no proof of that in the film. That <laughs> like it could at the end we could pan down to the CB and see that the cord isn't plugged in. Yeah, <laughs> like so, that. That'd be great. Basically, it's basically Twitter for the mid eighties. <laughs> Just right, somebody yeah. pontificating and Just no one listening, standing on a box and screaming into the ether. Yeah, uh, apparently, like you can do at Hyde Park in London. They have like an area that is set up for people to just get on a soapbox and start talking about whatever. That's funny. Yeah. That's like in uh, life of Brian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah. So we see him in his truck. He is, he is monologuing. It's basically about how if somebody asks you, if somebody roughs you up and asks you, if you paid your pay your dues, you tell them, yes, the check is in the mail, which I, I guess means Yes, I've paid them. I don't have to answer to you. His monologues are unclear. They're a yes. little rambly. They're very rambly. <laughs> yeah. And cliche laden. And yes, cliche laden. Um, but he drives into the city. He then drives through a very, very crowded uh, street. Open market. Open but, market street. Yeah. Um, it's also very early. Like the market is open at apparently four or five in the morning. And, uh, yes, you got to get in there to get the wholesale. Yeah, it's like yeah, if you if you want those pigs, that's we right. do see a couple of pigs getting offloaded. Uh, I guess that's why he calls his truck the Pork Chop Express. Um, and then he gets into he starts gambling, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe he says the game they're playing is Fantan, which I've never played before. Um, anybody here played Fantan? I think Allison had a strawberry fantan earlier. She was talking about <laughs> 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 strawberry. Uh, that was a red pot. <laughs> don't you don't you wanna wanna fantan? Uh anyway. And so we meet we meet Wang. We meet Wang. <laughs> Always glad to meet Wang. <laughs> oh my. It's the first the first of, of many euphemisms we're going to discuss during this episode. So yeah, he meets Wang. Uh, Jack has won. He's won eleven hundred and change at the table. Eleven forty-eight. Eleven forty-eight. And Wang needs that money. Doesn't say why yet, but he needs that money. And he says that he's going to use. Well, he says it's a knife, but it's actually a cleaver. Yeah, he's going to use yeah. a cleaver to cut a a wine bottle in half. Jack says no. Cut my beer bottle in half. Wang can't do it. And loses the bet and doesn't have the money on him. And th- there's a whole bunch of thing where it's uh, where it seems like Wang's being a little bit squirrely about giving Jack the money, and Jack refuses. Squirrely Wang. This scene also Wang. establishes <laughs> that uh, right. that that Kurt right. has lightning reflexes. That's right. That's, that's we've heard him. Part of that. We've heard him congratulate himself before on having great reflexes, but this is the first time we actually see it in action. Yeah, because right. what happens is Wang chops down with the cleaver on the bottle, and the bottle shoots away from him toward Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell just sort of holds his hand up. And if you could see what Matt Bachman just did, audience... It would be a perfect perfect representation. A perfect representation. But as this is an audio-only presentation... (laughs) It also sounded pretty good. (laughs) I don't know if you heard it, but yes, the the satisfying smack of the bottle in someone's palm. Um, But uh, they... Wang's like, no, I gotta, I gotta go somewhere first. Why don't you just follow me and go to the airport? Kurt Russell's like, no, nah, get in my truck, and then they drive Pilgrim. off. Yes, yeah, so this was the first time I was like, wouldn't it make more sense to take Wang's vehicle? Because <laughs> yeah. going to the airport and pulling up in a semi is not really. Yeah. 
you know, I know it's the eighties. You're gonna have to pay for two parking spaces. Yeah, at least, and you know, you better hope you. Airport parking is expensive. And see, I've always kind of rationalized that truck choice because Wang isn't not. He's not just being shady. He makes it seem like he's taking Kurt to get ambushed somewhere. Ah, That's yeah. what I was always like thinking. Like he's so, going to roll him. Yeah. Right. So, you know, Jack Burton's like, ah, no, no, no. We're going to take my truck. As so I that's can, going so to I'm behind somewhere. the driver's seat. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. I, I'll buy that. But uh, he's I, also obsessed with his truck. Like oh, he yeah. His yeah, truck so too. much. So yeah. he might not want to leave it in Chinatown. He yeah. might, have to, might have to take it. Yeah. Uh, now, I also want to point out, we haven't mentioned this, but um, Kurt Russell in this movie has what I would describe as perhaps a uh, uh, training moment. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at that mullet sometimes and I thought, boy, that's barely a mullet. Yeah, it's he's he's got hair like down to the nape of his neck. Yeah. But it's really it's really not that much of a party in the back, but I, I think we could safely call it a mullet. But the, fe- say, the feathering in the front makes up for it. Yeah. There, there is that, but I think he could do better. I know he can do better. Yes. Okay. So but that's Russell, kind of if this... you listen, this is a challenge to you. <laughs> to, to do better. Better mullet. Kurt's hairstyle. But yeah, that was he's, like that's, his he's... thing in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. And the 90s. He still yeah. has it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> his he hair wasn't. It wasn't much different in Guardians of the Galaxy. No, he's, <laughs> a, he's aged magnificently. So yeah. oh, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess maybe we better check out Tango and Cash to see about that. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> really? It, I think that my uh, memory must have inflated it. I feel like I, I've, I've I'm looking back at mullet colored glasses. <laughs> he, he had the he had the same haircut in uh, Overboard too. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, that's the standard. That was his look. That's and, Kurt. And, the, and the tank top. I mean, all t- of this and the tight jeans. Well, it's not g- like any of this is seared into my early adolescent memory. Oh. Or, or mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He, this was not a mistake. Yes, he did. Uh, apparently, uh, yes, Kurt Russell was um, the the gateway to understanding more about ourselves for a few people on this well, podcast. It's also how he got Goldie Hawn. Yeah. I thought he got Goldie Hawn because she went overboard and lost her memory. And that, oh no, that's just the movie. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the movie. Yes. Oh, you know what? While we're kind of on a, on a side tangent, as I'm sure it's the first of many, uh, yeah. want to go out in Front Street? Oh, we haven't done Front Street yet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, everybody, we're going to do Front Street, which is us just going around and giving the movie a letter grade. All right. All right. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Allison, would you like to go first? No, no. you don't want to go first. <laughs> well, we Matt, don't. having not ever seen the movie yeah, before. Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think? What did you think? A minus. Okay. I um, it was very... <laughs> I didn't understand most of it. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but it didn't matter because it was almost like it transported me back to a time when I was a kid, like loving those type of movies. Yeah. And it was just everything about it from the special effects to the costuming, to the dialogue, to the action sequences. It just felt like I felt, I just had such a fun time. A minus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anybody want to go next? Jim? Steve. <laughs> oh, I saw Steve for, okay. Sorry. Steve. I'm giving this a B minus. I think okay. there's a lot of fun moments, a lot of memeable moments, but I think that the decision 
to make Kurt the person we follow, even though he's not really the protagonist, makes it feel a lot more episodic and just in general, I find, you know, I get it's a joke, but I just don't particularly want to hang out with his character. All right. Fair enough. Jim, I think you're next. I, I give it a B. I mean, the action sequences, the fight sequences are really good. The yeah. whole concept is good. Uh, Kurt Russell's obviously having a great time being a jackass. Um, but the uh, expositional info dumps. Yeah, those were. I was like, come on. Couldn't you show me some of this, John Carpenter? You've been directing a long time. Like, I, I, get, I think I see kind of what he's trying to do. But uh, that was the one thing I didn't, I didn't care for. And also, Kim Cattrall can't act. Which was a little bit of a disappointment there. I mean, maybe she was also in on the joke, but it was hard to be. Oh, mm-hmm. Allison wants to fight me. There's some fighting. There's no fighting on Front but, Street. This is his appointment. I will go. I will go with a B. All right, uh, Ben, Allison, either you. I'll go for it. All right. Uh, you know, I I have to understand if I'm making this grade as an objective person or as myself. Uh, as yourself. As myself, I'm going to have to say an A because I freaking yeah. love Big Trouble. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I kind of go with some of what Steven was saying. Like, I, I get that. Like, um, it it does. It reminds me of the movies I saw when I was a kid, like Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. But, <laughs> but also just like, you know, um, any any fun movie with like an element of, of sci-fi or fantasy. Uh, there was the action. There was comedy. Uh, Jack Burton is like a, a foil, like a, a, a rube. And it's fun to see him just... Um, knock himself out from time to time and like slip on things and just be, he's this big tough dude. He's the big hero of the uh, movie that just keeps goofing around and being stupid. Uh, I like it. Yeah. I I mean, I I mean, and the effects for the day, pretty good. Yeah. For the day. Yeah. For the day. Allison. I give, Give it a solid B, and and that's because I love this movie. Um, I I do think everybody is a stereotype, and we're not even talking about the racial stereotyping that happens in this movie. Um, but I I will fight anyone about Kim Cattrall's performance, <laughs> if only because she's doing the best she can with somebody who is written as a god awful one dimensional. Hello. Hi, Jack Burton and you and your tight pants. But all of the women, none of them have anything to do because everybody's chewing scenery. That's mm-hmm. There's only so much that can be done, I think. Yeah. But it is a fun movie that does have great fight sequences. Um, I think John Carpenter did a pretty good job on a pretty rushed movie. Yeah. But I don't think it's um, like I'm fine. I- I'll, I've now seen it 51 times and I probably don't ever need to see it again. <laughs> You're all full up. Yeah, full up on that. Uh, Patrick, do you want to take it or you want me to take it? I'll go. Okay. Um, I'm going to agree with Matt and give it an A-. minus. It it was an A for me as a, as when I saw it as a youth. <laughs> but yeah. now that I'm older and I, you know, a little more jaded by the world and, and realized that Kurt Russell is in this movie because they didn't think they could open a movie with just an all Asian cast. (laughs) Um, So, but they still didn't manage to do it in a way where he is 
the foil. He is not the hero that Wang is the hero. And so I had give mad props for that. So, but I also give this movie because Kim Cattrall cannot act. And because because there are, it is so stylized and so, you know, yes. And because of the, it's like this scene is purely for exposition. Everybody gets a monologue, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but it's, it's that type of movie. And I think you, it, it embraces those things. And it's, it's, um, it was made to be in a sequence of to start a sequence of, of movies. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There are to this day, and I don't know why, but every once in a while out of nowhere, what pops in my, into my head, Chinese girls don't come with green eyes. <laughs> that line has haunted me ever since the first time I've seen that movie. Uh, uh, this movie. So it's it was an A when I first saw it. It's an A minus now. I love it. Seth? I actually, I'm also going to give it an A minus. And I, I need to acknowledge a few things, uh, some of which have been brought up. Uh, let's let's start with racial stereotyping because uh, that is something we will talk about on Arrow Chapter Verse, uh, and also uh, how I spent my allowance. I'll just get the yeah. plugs out of the way right now. Um, <clears throat> but I, I and think the, the, and the clink tank here and the clink tank. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I think the one thing that relieves it for me is Wang because he's not particularly stereotypical, like. No. No, because he's essentially, and it is it is a weird film again because we're focusing on Jack Burton as a sidekick. Wang is actually the male lead, mm-hmm. and at that time you certainly didn't have outside of a regular kung fu movie like a Bruce Lee or a Jackie Chan movie. You didn't have Asian male leads in stuff that was. This geared for, uh, I guess, an American audience is the best way I can say it. Um, However, I will say that Egg Shen, like, I I love Egg Shen. I I, I do. But watching Egg Shen made me think of uh, the uh, Senior Chang's inscrutable bit in Community. Where he he just goes on about he he goes on about Asian stereotypes for a while. And he's like, oh, you think I'm inscrutable? Like that kind of that kind of business. Um, Patrick has a thing to say. Well, no, no. Again, this is your front street, but yeah. I didn't find him that way. I thought I I more equated him to a Yoda, uh, uh, somebody who has the information of the history and just is like the go-to brain Um, on the quest. I I mean, he, he is Asian. So, you know, I don't, I didn't get that, but this is again, your opinion. I was just going to say to my, to my way of thinking, both Egg Shen and David Lopan are the guy that we sort of talked about when we were covering five deadly venoms. Who's the one with the long white beard who, Strokes it like if they'd given Egg Shen a long white beard, he would have stroked it. I kind of like the homeless look for him. <laughs> yeah, he looks he looks a little rough and ready. I think is the best way to put it. He um, looked like he smelled. I didn't yeah. want to be. A, I was like, I was like, 
I would be, it, I'd be the guy in the party is like, why we got to be with eggs? And there's no egg is not his name. That's a nickname because of the way he smells. Yeah, <laughs> it just smells like eggs. Smells like um, eggs. Now, one of the things that I, I definitely, um, I, uh, Allison mentioned is that the women, the women who have lines don't have a whole lot to do. And it's kind of disappointing because as we see later on in the film, the bad guys have women fighters working for them. So the concept that women are able to hold their own in combat and be badasses exists in this movie, just not for any of the females, uh, female leads. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, that is a little disappointing. I, I will also say that, well, we can debate Kim Cattrall's acting uh, for the next two hours, if we really wanted to. Um, she is, she is playing a, a breathless, heroine very well the problem is is that she's playing a breathless heroine um but i i give it an a minus just because i enjoy it so much and uh, to try to like to try to wrap me uh, wrap me up and move this thing along because I, I noticed that we're probably a good half hour into this and we've covered the first three scenes um <laughs> the fact that we follow jack burton around turns this movie from a typical action film, especially because of what he does, into a picaresque. Uh, this is something that I've, I've talked about before, but it is the reason it feels episodic is because it is. It's, it's a series of humorous incidents in this rogue slash unreliable person slash not a hero's journey. Hmm. Okay. I have a, a question for the group. Perhaps, Allison, this came up in your research. But it seems to me that this is uh, a parody of the old sort of Flash Gordon black and white serials. And I wonder if, you know, John Carpenter or anyone ever came out and said that. Because the villain has that real sort of Fu Manchu thing going on. You know, the the damsel in distress times two. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if at some point in the writing process, somebody said, what if Flash Gordon but he's a trucker and an idiot. <laughs> I didn't read anything about that, but I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, that definitely I'm, tracks with what Seth was saying about picaresque, about episodic. You know, if you're looking into a serial like a Flash Gordon, where there's like a, a climax every 20 minutes in the movie. Like yeah, and, and there is, I, I want to say that honestly, the movie, is, don't get me wrong, the movie is muddled. It has essentially three beginnings. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got the scene that the studio tacked on, Right, and then we've got the gambling scene, but the movie doesn't really start until we get to the airport. Yeah, yeah. So, and and let's get to the airport. But the introduction of egg sort of serves as a three B or fourth introduction. When we get to egg, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a lot of stuff happening. Like we we'll we'll talk about more we'll talk about more of this later. But we we are getting new characters introduced for the first third of the movie. But yeah, we keep meeting new characters. Yeah. Yeah. But, and as we're about to meet Gracie Park, not, I don't know, not Park, Gracie, Gracie Law. 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 Which is a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Because yeah, in these <laughs> movies, your, na- your name has to be what you do. So I she- <laughs> Did she go to law school at Hogwarts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just like now the fact that I thought about that, that then I think Jack Burton should have been played by Richard Burton. Yes. Uh, which was, <laughs> who is the father of the woman who played the reporter, Kate Burton. Really? Oh, what? Yes. 
What? <laughs> yeah, Kidding. that's Kate Burton. That's Richard Burton's daughter? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Pay your dues, Martha. Uh, pay your dues. <laughs> well, I do have to say, she was... Now, as far as being hindered by the script, I will say she was definitely more than... Um, than Kim Cattrall because she uh, she could actually act. She, <laughs> she delivered some of her lines with such ease that they the the cheesiness of them almost worked. I mean, it worked for the situation, but like she there was oh my god, I'm trying to think of the one. It was almost just a throwaway line, and I think it was directed at um, the other guy we haven't met yet. The uh, at Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. And um it was something she said to them to him and it was just like, wow, that was really natural. It just come to my apartment and help me find the title. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, no, it honestly seemed like she was in this movie because somebody was like, We need a plucky girl reporter. Where's the plucky girl reporter? Get her in there. Go down to Central. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, in my mind, I thought Kim Cattrall was the reporter. Yeah, I and did then, too. Until and they would have, they would have started up. As I like, remembered it oh, too. Yeah, she's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Now the other character, she might just be in there because she's Richard Burton's daughter. Yeah, that's maybe that's the way that works. <laughs> Richard Burton is like, I want my daughter to be in a film. I will not be in this film. I will know. <laughs> uh, so that we go to the airport and we have this scene. Which to our our younger listeners, uh, we don't have any, uh, but That's our nice. younger nice. listeners who were perhaps uh, born shortly before or after 2001, um, you could go into an airport and crowd around and wait for people. Yeah. This is a right. thing you could do. Yeah. They didn't even have a flight. They just went into the airport and walked right in. Yeah. yeah. And it's a really crowded waiting area. Um, Wang is waiting for his fiance, and we see in the crowd Kim Cattrall as Gracie Law, and uh, Jack goes up to hit on her, and it's unsuccessful because apparently he smells like a beer truck. And <laughs> she is waiting for a young Asian woman for reasons that are never explained. Something about protecting her civil rights. Yes. Yeah, she that. says something about that near the end. Maybe she's, you know, the, the young Asian woman's an immigrant. Maybe she's a, a refugee. Maybe. We don't know. We don't really know. But Kim Cattrall is there to protect her. And in the middle of this scene, uh, three toughs. That's the best way I can think of describing them. Three toughs walk through the crowd. And then we find out basically that they are there in the airport in front of perhaps 30 to 40 people to kidnap women. I mean, that's they're not wrong. They're, they're there for it. That's their plan. That's their plan. Walk I think they're exactly blending in. Either Asian now. women. Asian women. Well, Asian women. I should also point out that the Tufts themselves are, are Asians. They're the uh, lords of death. So wait, the, the Tufts, see, this is why I was confused. The Tufts were not there to find the woman with green eyes? Not no, specifically, they were just no. there for, for some good old uh, slavery. Yeah. Oh. Some classic human trafficking. I have always thought that they were. 
because they when they grab uh, the girl that Kim Cattrall's waiting for, they say they look at her like they look her in the eye, and they're like, yeah. they're like check out this one. They don't take her. You're right. They don't take her, but that's because right. Jack Burton shows up and I think it's because they she didn't have the green eyes. They were but, looking for because they but, work for they work in a downstream from Lopan. They do, but they don't take her to Lopan. They take her they to the t- White Tigers. They take her to the White Tigers, and they're going to sell her there. And that's why I'm like that. And that's one of the things about the movie that I think, I think there's, there's too many, there's too many different Asian gangs for no particular reason. They're like, you don't have to have the Lords of death as a concept at all. You could just have the guys in the red turbans whose name I forget. But the Lord, so the Lords of death just sounds cool. Well, yeah. I mean, mean, that group exists is for that. I I, I saw them on tour with Pantera. (laughs) <laughs> but you need the other gang so that um jack and wang can have backup right you you do you need so. them but you don't need you don't need the lords of death and the i lords think of death are one too many yeah then the white tiger because it's like they don't they don't really serve any purpose that the guys in the red turbans couldn't also do uh, yeah. yeah i yeah, what is going on with this movie? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there's there's a bunch of stuff that's just that's just really strange about it. Um, oh, I, it's I don't know how you do your structure here, so I don't know if I'm allowed to get too far in advance to try to talk about what they're doing here at the airport. Yeah, we don't. Go ahead, fun. go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So <laughs> David LePan's trying to find someone he can sacrifice to his demon god, whoever, to appease him and Chang Dai, I think was the name. Yeah, Chang exactly. Dai. And it has to be, uh, uh, she has to have green eyes. Apparently she can or cannot be Chinese. Yeah. We never established that. Yeah. So here's my thought on this. And again, this is my adult brain. Right. Uh, When he was cursed 2000 years ago, the world was much smaller to where you lived. So he... The, the the prophecy or the curse is specific about having green eyes. And of course, in their circle, that was meant Asian Ever. women. So that's what made it rare. That's but all he knew at the time. 2,000 yeah. years later, there are tons of people of different races in the world having green eyes. So it's not that hard anymore. But if you're 2,000 years old, you're still thinking, oh, it's got to be a Chinese girl. Right. No, and it's it. one of those things where they go back and read the scroll and go, <laughs> it doesn't say Chinese. There's nothing in the rule book that says an elephant can't pitch. <laughs> <I'm awful. laughs> no, we, we get out on a technicality. That yeah. Is. Technicality, so that, no down boo over. Anyway, I'll just steal something <laughs> from a better podcast. That's fine. Or, and, and somebody you? brought very dairy. Yeah. When we were watching it, or Kim Cattrall's character is supposed to be Chinese. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. By casting this white woman in the role. And it's never explained why this white woman is like so deep into Chinatown's apparent underworld. Or how, or right. Or how, yeah. or why. Or I mean, why the head, uh, the head 
desk woman at the White Tiger is named Mrs. O'Toole. Right. Well, yeah. sure. <laughs> That's the role that Kim Cattrall was supposed to play. Yeah. Wait, I, I, actually, I actually think, here's what I think. I think Richard Burton and Peter O'Toole <laughs> tried to get their daughters into a movie and Peter O'Toole looked at the script and went, no. And then yeah. Richard Burton was like, yes. So cool. <laughs> I mean, if we're if we're honest, I mean, when you think about it, it being 1986, the fact that a white woman showed an interest in an Asian man, yeah, that was at actually... all was like, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little surprising. Like yeah, she was instead. Oh, Eddie, come over and help me with my title. You know, and I mean, I'm not saying that that's this this great thing, but it's given the atmosphere even at that point it, you know and it seems like it seems like 35 years seems so long but it isn't <laughs> no you know, you know it was still a little bit i mean it's not something you saw too much of no it's it's mm. it's not and i would honestly love to know how much studio interference there actually was with this movie because i know that this was the movie that made john carpenter go okay no i'm making indie films from here on out i'm not not dealing with the studio not doing any of that just going to make indie films and we we, at least so yeah we already know well i mean we already know that that scene at the beginning is there because of studio interference but i also wonder if somebody's like no kim cattrall's up for the part you take kim cattrall yeah but she wasn't oh no she wasn't popular yet no nobody knew her porkies and whatever wait had mannequin happened no that's what i looked up because i thought because that's how i know kim cattrall besides sex and the city but i thought mannequin was a big hit, and they're like, we need to get Kim Cattrall in this movie no matter what. Yeah. But this came out a year before. Right, and Star Trek Six, of course, is uh, a decade or so away. Yeah. Por- Porky's was the only one that was before this, I think. Okay. There was one other, and I Police just don't Academy. remember what it was. Ah, uh, yes, Police Academy. She was in both Porky's and Police Academy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, all, all she needed was like a Caddyshack to complete the trifecta. <laughs> she was in a lot of bad 80s comedies. Yep. Yeah. It, it distresses me that, that my kids think when the first time they thought Manic, watched Manic and they thought it was good and I was like oh sweet zombie Jesus you oh, can't be serious right now God they I watched, loved that movie Manic is, <laughs> is an A plus for me <laughs> <laughs> and Manic and too oh, no, oh, I don't too. think it'll hold I don't think it would I haven't seen it in forever yeah. and again I don't think I could watch it with my adult brain and have yeah. the same feelings because the whole Hollywood situation yeah. <laughs> is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have never seen either mannequin movie. Oh, that could be the fourth crossover. Yeah, we might. I don't know. I bet this not, is going to be a series. They're not, not, good. To, not, yeah. not to lock us into a genre, but I, I also at some point want to do um, Shaolin soccer and Kung Fu hustle. Mostly because those movies are delightful and I haven't seen them in Full a long time. so good. Yeah. Shaolin Soccer's good too. Yeah. I would actually love, if there was one I would love to, to, to watch with, with this group of people who seem to share a lot of my uh, things <laughs> is Roger Corman's Battle Beyond the Stars is one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> All right, sure. Put it on the list. Patrick, put it put on, it on the, the list. list on the list. Thank you, Patrick. Along with, since uh, Stephen mentioned it, Flash Gordon. All right. <laughs> and then, not if we the really bull, wanted but... to, we could watch Flesh Gordon. No, we <laughs> that Flesh Gordon is terrible. The penis fly trap is the best joke in the movie, and I've already said it. So we're done. So we're done. Already, we already got that, the whole benefit. Yep. 
with that bringing us circling back to the um, to the human trafficking, I wish they hadn't. I would have yeah. enjoyed this movie more without the sex crimes. Yeah, well, I, I, think I think if we're so- gonna do sort of a silly like demons need a green-eyed bride like that's plenty we don't need to sort of bring in the scummy um like oh also all these women get raped well also be super blasé about it like no one was no one was seemed very um concerned that this was going on yeah it was more about oh i can't believe they human trafficked my woman that's terrible yeah for and i was going to say to the point of like kim cattrall's being at the airport this is why yeah. Because she was following the whole uh, human trafficking thing, and she she was there to to save that girl from in her being as a lawyer in her capacity. Well, and that she was why she got the press into involved well, in the story, right? Yeah, yeah. It was to shine a light on it. But again, I agree with Steve, especially because that particular thread is dropped with the exception of the one scene in the white tiger. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. We see the girls again, Jack Burton rescues a few of them, but that is also not important to the plot in any way. It also screws up the structure of the movie and contributes to the episodic nature of it because there is that culmination of we escaped with all the girls, but then they have to go and do another movie because they escaped with the wrong girls. Yeah, right. it's 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 just not all the girls. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> all of the girls except the, the one we, we care about, save and, and the other one, one who's Kurt who's Kurt Russell's love interest. Yeah, but, a different a different way to go with it, like which I think might have been better is just when at the beginning when Jack and uh, Wang get swept up into everything, just have everything keep going. Yeah. from there you know because th- we already have that really cool set piece where they're in that alley they turn the corner and something's happening they turn around the corner something else is happening now his truck's gone if we could just build on that instead of they go home yeah they come back to the movie they go home go home they go back to the movie another time like okay let's go back to the movie guys yeah it turns I, it into a four-act movie because yeah, the end of is, act two is rescuing the nameless girls and then they have to go do acts three and four it just feels wonky. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's strange. But we're not there yet, everybody. We're still <laughs> at the airport. So what happens is the the Lords of Death hustle. Um, does anybody remember her name? I know they say it frequently, but I did I not. say Mai Yin. Min oh, Yin. Ma- 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 Yin. Miao Yin. That sounds right. Mao uh, Yin is Wang's girl. Is Wang's girl. They The Lords of Death hustle her into a, uh, a sports car uh, and... Jack and Wang are in pursuit of them. Uh, Gracie has taken her um, her ward to the side. I, I will say there's a great scene uh, where Jack Burton goes to punch one of the Lords of Death, and then he pulls out a butterfly knife and a steel baton, and Jack just looks at him and says, where'd you get those? Where did you get that? And then... And then, you know, he backs Jack Burton up until uh, an associate of his trips him, and then uh, everybody's running and whatever. So they follow the sports car in the cab of Jack Burton's truck. Yeah. Um, the worst pursuit vehicle. The worst <laughs> pursuit vehicle. Uh, we do have we do have another scene where we're introduced to Egg Shen, where he is taking his bus of tourists through Chinatown, and Jack and Wang going the wrong way down a very narrow street almost cause an accident, and then Egg Shen disappears for 
a good chunk of the movie. And what happens is Jack and Wang go into this alley that I'm surprised the truck fits in where we see a funeral being held. But while there's this funeral happening, which like a is funeral the, procession. a funeral procession, uh, it's, it's actually not unlike, I would say, it, it reminded me of a more somber New Orleans second line. Yeah, exactly. Where you've got you've got people carrying the coffin, you've got people like the, they've got a big uh, a banner with a picture of the guy who died. There's people playing some uh, a couple of instruments, and there's a whole bunch of people marching behind, uh, and and they have yellow headbands or yellow turbans, and then a gang with red headbands or red turbans comes up, and then there is what Patrick would call the slobber knocker. Yes. It is Ooh. a Donnybrook. A Donnybrook? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a full-on Tilly. Oyster Dwister. <laughs> there are, I want to say, 30 to 40 people in this fight scene. Yes. Um, and it looks, let's see, what the best way to put it, it looks confused because when you have that many people who are squaring off in one-on-one combat, it is going to look confused but the fighting and the fight choreography is excellent. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. I I would like to make the point though. uh, My favorite part of the fight was at the beginning before anybody throws a punch. Yeah. Four people, uh, two on each side have guns. There's a shootout. (laughs) The only people to get killed are the four people with guns. Yeah. (laughs) So that the hand to hand fighting can begin. (laughs) Can I tell you as, as someone who's, who's gone shooting just a couple times in my life, but enough to know that you don't grip your wrist and then shoot your gun. And every time I see that in movies from the seventies and eighties, especially it, I'm just like, who, who taught you how to Who hold taught these people? Who taught please, stop, please stop doing that. Who are they all copying? Like, these, are, these are the same <laughs> people. You never bring a gun to a knife fight. Exactly. True. True. But what you do bring to a knife fight is a coffin where you take out the handle and it becomes a bow staff. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, that was that was pretty great. All and the there's somebody, very good. somebody was fighting with a plank. Like somebody on one of one of those guys had just a plank of wood that he was like, he was like a greaser in a in a rumble like a greaser in a rumble sure there was another guy with chains and another guy with brass <laughs> no there was but uh, it, it's a great fight and again what underscores what's actually happening in the happening in this movie is that Jack and Wang are stuck in the cab of the truck the whole time with no idea what's going on Jack at one point pulls a knife and that knife is going to be his constant companion in this movie he pulls a knife out of his boot. But he sits there for the entirety of the fight scene in the cab, holding the knife, not doing anything. Well, Wang tells him not to move. Yeah. Not, not to, you know. Uh, don't don't make any noise. Yeah. But and that's so before the, the fight So starts. the sidekick listens to the hero and doesn't yeah. move. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's again, it's a really... Um, we're we're in 1986. We, we have had some of the big, like, over-the-top action movies at this point. Uh, but it does... And what this movie is supposed to do, it does undercut that a lot mm-hmm. in this scene. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I like it. And then the fighting kind of comes to a stop when three dudes show up out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's the, the three storms who are uh, wind, thunder, and lightning. And by out of nowhere, you mean the sky. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, there was sort of a portal that appeared sort of in the middle of the street and they sort of 
popped I, out of that. I, I do want to say lightning came down from the sky. Yeah. All yeah. three of them came from the sky. Okay. I do want to say one thing about Seth's comment about how, you know, it's undercutting the Schwarzenegger Stallone action movie things. I think that was a big contributor to the fact that the movie did not do well in the box office because people didn't get it. It's the same thing when they did Last Action Hero a few years later. People didn't get it, I think. They, they, they expected this thing, and they got this kind of campy subversion of the thing that they were used to. And I just don't think – I mean, we get it now, but at the time, I don't think anybody got it. It's, the only also, thing- it's also a stealthy sci-fi movie, too. Um, yeah, because that – I don't think people realize there's a sci-fi movie. Yeah. And I think that might've actually been uh carpenter's sensibilities just because, you know, he was, a, he was a horror director mm-hmm. and with horror things, especially in his stuff, things creep in. Yeah. And that's how the fantasy approaches. Like this fight is 12 minutes into the movie, more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden magic starts happening. Now, in some ways, that's a good thing because, again, we see Kurt Russell just not know what's going on and be completely out of his depth. So we can sort of empathize with him because we, too, don't know what's going on. But in other ways, it's like, wait, I thought this was an action movie. And yeah. now there's guys shooting lightning out of their fingertips. Well, can you imagine how you would have felt had you not seen that bit of magic in the lawyer's office at the beginning of the movie? <laughs> I would be so confused. You would be like, what? We would have lost them in Peoria. Yeah. Uh, so then they drive the cab out of the way like these as these three guys just continue to kick the ass of everybody who's wearing yellow. They drive it out of the way, and then all of a sudden, there's a guy in, like, formal Chinese court garb standing in the middle of the roadway. He does not get out of the way. The truck goes over or through him. Jack Burton is amazed. Um, and then he gets out of – they get out of the cab. Like, it's just got to a point where they get out of the cab. Light shoots from this guy's uh, eyes and mouth. Jack Burton is blinded. Wang takes him an alley over and uses gross puddle water to clear away the blood. <laughs> it's an ancient Chinese secret. I, just, I love the idea that David Lopan, the light from David Lopan's eyes will turn you blind. Put a little water, just clears that up. Just put a little but also that, like, that Wang is, is knowledgeable enough to know that. Like, yeah. And, what, and Wang, what's up to you? Wang always knows more. The Jack. He always knows more about what's going on. He might not know the whole story. He might not have the depth of information that Egg Shen has, but he definitely knows more than Jack. Yeah. I I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I, there's a scene later where, um, not too much later, we're almost there, but Wang explains that, you know, he's grown up with all this lore and all these stories. And, and there's a moment that part of being Chinese growing up, you either accept it or you don't. And like, so while he's that shadiness that we've seen from him prior to this is him not sharing the knowledge of magic exists and that there are true demons and evils in the world. And I thought that was a hint to that kind of uh, mentality when he says the reason he couldn't split the bottle in half is because you know his head and his chi were going in different directions. I forget the exact wording. His right. his mind and his spirit were going north and south. 
Yeah. 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 And so Jack he, just shakes that off, you know, yeah. like crazy talk. So that I think is our first in- introduction to the fact that Wang is at least reasonably well versed that under normal circumstances, when he's not in love with a mystery girl, he can do things like split bottles in half with a cleaver. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out that at this point, this this gang fight has nothing to do with the main plot. Like that, it doesn't have anything to do with where um, Wang's fiance is. Neither of these two gangs has her, and she is not at all visible at any point. Right. Now, once Jack's eyes get fixed, they run into the Lords of Death again, and then they run away from the Lords of Death, and they end up in a basement somewhere. So now, are are the we have the two factions, the yellow guys and the red guys, the Chang Sing and the Wing Kong? Yeah. Um, are either of them affiliated with David Lopin, or are they just like the Wing Kong are affiliated with David Lopin? Okay, and so, in fact, the Lords of Death are affiliated with the Wing Kong. But again, the Lords of Death do not take Wang's fiance to Lopan. They take her somewhere else. Yeah. And, so, and, so uh, when the when the storms show up, they're there as a cavalry. Yes. Yeah, and and the um, the yellow the yellow <coughs> term group is affiliated with uh, Egg Shen. Egg Shen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're the good guys. Yes. And this is all taking place right out of side of Low uh, Lopan's place. Yes. Um, and, and this also, I, I want to say that there are some resonances here between the, the Wing Kung and the Chang Sin of a particular type of Kung Fu movie where you have two schools of Kung Fu that are in conflict with each other that are fighting it out to see whose Kung Fu is the best. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are resonances with that. It's not sure, presented in that, in that way, but it's similar. Um, so Moving on. Moving on, yeah. We've been doing this for an hour. Anyway. uh, We are not even near the middle. (laughs) So we're still on beginning number two. Uh, We've been been jumping around a lot, though, so I think you can be able to skip some parts later. We we have have covered some stuff. So they get the – somebody discovers their basement. They get out of the basement, and then they head back to uh, Wang's restaurant. And they're explaining what happened to his uncle while Jack Burton is arguing with his insurance company about whether he can put in a claim on his truck. And we begin to find out here a little bit more about the backstory of Lopan. Just a bit. That he is some sort of demon that is stuck in Chinatown and... Thousand-year-old curse. Thousand-year-old curse. It's kind of nice because Wang is attempting to play down what happened on both sides. Like Jack Burton's, like we drove through a guy. Went no, 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 no. It it wasn't. It wasn't like (laughs) that. That's not what happened, Uncle. Yeah, and (laughs) and then his uncle's like, "That's a two thousand-year-old demon." And Jack's like, "What?" Wang's like, "No, no, 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 no." So Wang's trying to Wang's trying to gaslight him. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying to gaslight everybody a little bit. And this is where we meet Eddie too, right? And this is where we meet Eddie, who is the Major D, but also is the most connected man in this movie. Like he knows everybody in Chinatown. He is hip. He, he hip is dude. hip. He's a hip dude. And this is like we were saying earlier, like this, this is like, yeah, we keep meeting characters. Yeah. And we're, and we're going to continue to meet. And uh, Gracie yeah. pops back in yeah. randomly because again, she is embedded in the culture of Chinatown. Right. Uh, and we, this is also the scene where we find out 
that Wang's fiance has been taken to the white. At first, I, I was looking at the subtitles and I thought they said the white tigers as in a gang, but they mm-hmm. also refer to the place as the white tigers. So white, it was, yeah, yeah. So what happens is Eddie, Wang, Gracie, and Jack pile into perhaps the largest car I've ever seen, uh, which is a bright pink. It looked like the pink Cadillac from Mannequin. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't a convertible. And they head over to the White Tiger where a slave auction is going to happen. It's the White Tiger, I should say, is a house of ill repute. It, it got one star on Yelp. It got, yes. <laughs> got one star on Yelp. No, that's, yes, that's exactly right. So they send... Uh, they send Jack in as a decoy, doing to try his, as, as Chris Farley. As doing Chris, Chris Farley, Farley I was going to say Jerry Lewis. Jerry <laughs> Lewis. That's well, more likely. I'm, yeah. I would say the uh, that bizarre scene in Blade Runner where Harrison Ford goes to interview the prostitute and pretends to be a super dweeby government man. <laughs> I I actually thought that that was. A little more interesting, and in that and that Burton was basically playing the part of, of like, this like oh Chinese women are so exotic, and I want to rent one like like that yeah. like this that that very specific kind of middle class white dickhead, yeah, who would think exactly that way, um, right down to the terrible tie. I don't know what that's going on there. Like I said, uh, Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say, by the way, that. Shots um, fired. This this type of scene goes goes back to um, Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep, oh. when he pretends to be a dweeb and goes into a used bookstore to test to see whether the people there are knowledgeable about books, and they're not because they're actually selling heroin. But that's a story for another time. Yes. Uh, so he goes. Uh, Jack Burton goes in. He does say, "I'm kind of looking for a girl with green eyes," and then we hear the line that Patrick can't get out of his head: "Chinese girls don't come with green eyes." But it alerts the madam. Mrs. O'Toole is well. She's not a madam. She's a concierge. Yeah. Yes. She's the auctioneer. <laughs> she could be. Um, and he does end up in a room with the girl and he's still interrogating her. He's still trying to find out where to find uh, Wang's fiance. Uh, and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, now we need to cut back to the car for a second because Gracie sees a car. She thinks she knows, and it's the reporter. So again, we're going to be introduced to a new character. Who's then going to tag along with the rest of the group for the rest of the movie for Again, you could take that character out of the movie and it doesn't change anything. Yeah, she yep. has like four lines after this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but everybody gets a little squirrely. They all go into uh, the whorehouse. And at that point, the three storms show up to kidnap Wang's fiance for David Lopez. Yes. And and the three storms, at, le- at least the, the two that I recognize from like just Kung Fu movies in the seventies and eighties. And then the third one that apparently is a beautiful man. Oh my him God. I did, him I didn't recognize, but, um, I did from my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did like that. They went and kind of got those guys, like people that, you know, really did the, did all those movies, you know, with the Shaw brothers and everything else. And yeah. actually had skills. Like yes. when they, got there and again this is coming up later 
but there's a moment where each is kind of um, highlighted doing the Akata or their their thing. And you can tell there's, these aren't stuntmen who have stepped in. It's them doing like some pretty significant moves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So they realize that what don't they go back to the house again after that they're like we don't know what happened and then somebody's like well if it was the three storms then david lopan has her and then wang and jack are like well we got to go to lopan's warehouse but but they have that big they have the big escape like they have to go in the the tunnels and the water and everything right this is where they get the girls no no they're not there they're not coming they're coming to that um okay so it's it's speeding things up because we need to they're going they go to the warehouse (laughs) and there, there's a great scene where they decide they're going in as telephone repairman, and in yeah. order to, to, to assert their bona fides, they have Kurt Russell just carry a phone in, <laughs> like not a bag of tools, just a phone. Saying some and, some sort of techno babble about a a circuit box or. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to continue that. Like, there's at one point a closed circuit TV camera is watching them, and they continue this. Uh, but essentially, they're just going through the warehouse looking for um, looking for Wang's fiance. Yeah. And well, I have a question. So, are the security guards are they part of that group? Because mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, yeah. or so they're wing they, uh, wing Kong. But they don't have any special talents. They're just like security guards. Yeah. They well, they're guns. like. Yeah, they're the guys in the red bandanas, except they're wearing security guard uniforms. Okay. And they got, got the you. guns. Got the, the, at the end of the movie, when they're, they're still running away, I was like, why are they running away? They killed everyone. Like, all the right. bad guys are gone. Yeah. The people that are chasing them are the security guard guys. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and what happens is that uh, Jack and Wang uh, get into an elevator that is a trap that just starts filling with water. Um, and then somehow they force the doors of the elevator open while it's underwater and they swim out into a room which is underwater and holds a number of corpses hanging by meat hooks. Uh, and it, it's gross. Like it's that scene does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's just super yeah. gross. There's some air at the top. They get some air, but I think thunder sees them. Uh, yes. So then they get beat up a little bit and then they get tied to wheelchairs. That's a dumb trap. It, it is a dumb trap. <laughs> Who has it's a trap not... that deep in your building? Like <laughs> put your traps in the front. And also like, do you tell the interns not to take that elevator? Yeah. Like how many of them have you like, yo, it's, it's uh, this guy's first day on the job. I took the elevator. Oh. All right. Get us well, it's intern. supposed, it's supposed to duplicate one of the many Chinese hells. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. So that's, yeah. a, that's a through theme is the, the elite motif of the many Chinese hells. Yeah. And I like to believe that it's a regular elevator, but when, you know, you're invaded, that the security guards were like, drown them. True. Pushing a button. It goes down to the underwater hell level. That's like, how they get and, corpses and, in and out of there. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. I guess that's how they do it. So they're just um, it's just when they use that elevator, they're more prepared. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody pushes the drown them button. Yeah. It's like don't 
Don't ever it's, push the bottom button on it's that. It's blue and it has waves on it. Can we put tape on that button? <laughs> <laughs> Does it have any tape? Big old X on it. You see, you see this button? Don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> then the narrator's over to the side. The jolly candy like button. But, yeah. that, guy, that meme of the guy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the meme of the guy sweating and trying to choose between two yeah. buttons. Ben's doing a great impression of it, but again, only in this, this is uh, an audio only in this case it's oh, it's no. it's accounting or death. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got the scene now in the new in the new cell where there are people hanging from the walls and they're in the wheelchairs and Jack kind of rocks himself to fall and get take off his blindfold and get yet another knife out of his boot. Yeah. And I think at this point, I want to say Eddie Gracie and the reporter whose name I can't remember come into the building. Yeah. Because it's been a couple of hours. So they there was another scene back at the restaurant where they decided to go get them. But that that's all they did in that scene. Mm -hmm. Um, That's actually something Jack does that he escapes from the wheelchair first. He does escape from the wheelchair first. Um, Again, he's not entirely he's not super incompetent. He's not incompetent. He's just ignorant. This is his town. Yeah, and he's he's not as competent as he likes to think he is. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, they get out of the wheelchairs. They talk a little bit more about what's happening, and then they get back in the wheelchairs as Thunder comes back in. Uh, the three storms come back in to wheel them to a meeting with David Lopin, who, in this case, is a very old guy. We we see him as a a shriveled. He looks to be maybe about 150. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say 100. Yeah, um, and very young voice, but a very young <laughs> voice, but looks like 150. And David Lopin, I don't think we mentioned this, but David Lopin is uh, played by James Hong, mm-hmm. uh, who has been in I don't know how many movies and TV shows. A zillion. Yeah. Wayne's World. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. you you yeah. might also recognize him as one of the people in the uh, Gangnam Style. Uh, video from that was popular 10 years ago. Also made mm-hmm. now and recognize him for the Chinese Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah. 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 You know, Blade Runner and uh, the voice of the snooty Imperial advisor in Mulan. And the list is <laughs> infinite really. Yeah. Like J- James Hong has been working solidly for at least 40 years, mm-hmm. probably more. He's got 440 credits on IMDb. 440 wow. credits. That's as, as an actor. That is astonishing. The hardest working man in showbiz. <laughs> uh, so they basically have some scenes where they trade insults, and we find out that David Lopan has no flesh and needs to marry and kill the woman with green eyes. I think we find that out here. Yes. Sacrifice her to his god. Chung Dai uh, in order to get his flesh back. So that was the thing I never understood about the movie because David Lopan in full Chinese court garb is spirit David Lopan. And again, his first name is David, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. And he is incorpor- incorporeal. And, but as this old guy, he does have a body. It's like, maybe that's yeah. a deal. It's like, you can incarnate, but the body's not great. Right. Right. And, yeah. and for probably for limited time. Yeah. Yeah. I would guess. 
for yeah. So uh, he leaves, and then uh, Jack and Wang escape. Yes. Yes. This is yeah. when the he when Jack goes down the the hallway. Right. Yeah, they're taken. They're, they're taken back to the the holding cell. No. No, because Eddie Eddie's there at that moment when Jack. Oh, oh, that's right. I think he starts. He stands up and punches one of the storms twice in the face, uh, and, and then starts to expand. And then that storm. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, they try to put the knife to Thunder's throat, and Thunder just blows him off. And he ends up flying back into the wheelchair, and in another pretty great scene, mm-hmm. just rolls down this very steep hallway manages to knock through a couple of people who are setting up with assault rifles and then rolls to the point of a very dangerous well knocks over the uh um the rim of it and is about to fall in when he does some incredible ab work and just gets himself off the chair that was fun that's a good yeah, sequence. that's a cool sequence. yeah that's, that's yes uh, and then he rejoins Eddie and Wang, who have taken the guns from the guys that Jack knocked into. And there's a kind of a funny scene where they all trade guns. That's yeah, that's funny business too. Yeah, where uh, Jack ends up with a revolver. Um, uh, Wang has a machine gun. Eddie has a shotgun. And Jack looks at Wang and says, "Trade you." They do, and then Wang looks at his gun and forces it on Eddie and takes a shotgun. And then uh, they have a. <laughs> There's a, a sort of a split scene here. We do we do go to the cages and we see that the reporter has been left with her pen and notepad and is dictating what she writes, which is just a summary of kind of what's happening. And then we see Gracie, who for some reason has been hogtied. And Allison had an interesting tidbit about that moment. That was that Kim Cattrall was not made aware that she was going to be hogtied in that scene. <laughs> Apparently there was a deleted scene with her and a guard, which is why she ends up hogtied. But on her day going to the set that day, she didn't find out hogtying was even going to be a part of anything That's until so funny. she arrived like, at the set. Was was it in the script and she blew over it or did they add I, it? <laughs> I don't know. She was also doing a checkoff play at the same time. So it's <laughs> entirely possible she just missed it. You know, the, the rope was there the whole time and she should have known that. <laughs> you read yeah, no, no, that's that's a joke for the theater people in the crowd. And believe me, it was a good one. It was <laughs> well played. Yeah, yeah, like um, I want to like like fist bump, like boom, good job, man. So world can control. That's uh, uh, what do they call that? Enforced method acting is the the trope for that. And uh, I'm not a fan. No, it's, it's called acting. You can just yeah, tell people, hey, yeah, there's a you're gonna be hogtied. They could be like, oh, okay. At least I have some warning. Uh, so then we see Jack Burton on top of the cages. He's promising to rescue the two girls. And then we have a scene that for me was actually reminiscent of Bart meets the town uh, in Blazing Saddles. Ah. Be- because <laughs> Wang has the shotgun up to Eddie's neck and is threatening the Wing Kung women. Uh, by the way, the Wing Kung has a, the women's auxiliary guards, the, women who, who are to be sold as slaves. That's, yeah, exactly. that's what happened. The Wing Kung Women's Auxiliary is down there. Uh, and he goes up and he threatens Eddie as though that has any meaning to anybody in the Wing Kung. <laughs> He's desperate. He's desperate. Yeah. 
yeah, do what he say. <laughs> Uh, that poor man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's Martha. Yeah. Trying to only- catch him by surprise, I guess. And they do- it's all about bluster and bluff, you know. Like that's also how they got into the building, carrying a phone. Oh, yeah, hey guys, here to fix the phone. See how Circuit I have <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what happens next is a great little sequence where two of the Wing Kung women's auxiliary come out, and then. <laughs> Eddie and Wang both go, ha ha, and point their guns, and the woman knocks the guns out of their hands with the staff and then proceeds to have the staff shoot some smoke out at them. Then there's another fight. Instantly. Well, what we didn't see was when they were in that room that that staff was connected to a bong. (laughs) (laughs) they They were mostly upset that they interrupted their bong break. Come on, guys. It's 420. Get out of here. So... Uh, Jack jumps down, basically shoots the locks off these cages, gets a whole bunch of women together. Um, Eddie and Wang finish uh, beating up the guards and they all start to run away. They find this very small pool that has a tunnel leading out of it. Which they had no way of knowing was there. Yeah. No, they, like that was a leap of faith. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I guess one of the women jumps in the pool and finds it, and then she doesn't come back up, and everybody's not like, "Oh, she drowned. What? She must be okay." So everybody then jumps back into her. And what's interesting is there are about three people in the pool. We we sort of ignore physics for a minute, yeah, because Jack yeah. goes in the pool first. No, doesn't he push Kim Cattrall in? No, no, she, she pushes him, him in. in. And well, then knocks him in, yeah. Oh, she right, right, she yeah. does a belly flop. Yeah. She looks uh, like she's trying to do a dive. But and it, then just belly flops. The and first, then, Actually, the first woman into the pool does a beautiful dive from no, the top. <laughs> she, she's mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, so, Eddie, I just, I, w- I want to point out this order. The order is Jack, uh, Gracie, um, Loy, uh, re- Reporter, Eddie Wang. Something like that. I might have mixed, uh, messed up when Wang and Eddie get in the pool, but that's the general order. There are a bunch of, and this this tunnel, this pipe leading out is only big enough for one person at a time. So there's got to be a line down in that pool of people just waiting to get into the tunnel. And then a bunch of Wing Kung people show up and start shooting into the pool. While they are filling this pool with bullets, we see about three people go into that pipe. Nobody's hit. Yeah. Which is fun. They did the Mythbusters on that, didn't they? Hold that one up. That that water will deflect a bullet. I don't know. Um, did it slow it down enough? That it doesn't hurt? Maybe. Um, quick, somebody call the Mythbusters. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. But anyway. <laughs> Kim, so then we have this the scene where we ignore the physics because Kim Cattrall is waiting at a, um, a, a junction where there's some air. And as she pulls everybody up, she asks them where the next person is, which is, and that's a funny bit, right? The problem is that Jack comes last when Jack went in the pool first. Um, he's but down there. He's probably down there ushering people in. Yeah, Maybe he's been a that's good a dad. Jack thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, but uh, you're right. That that was just like, what, what is happening? How, how right. did this even come to pass? Yeah, yeah the, the the order in which she asks, she pulls them up into the air and asks them where somebody else is, is not the order in which they went to the pool. No, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Right. We could assume that because she actually knocked 
Jack into the pool with her butt that she never actually saw when he went in. So perhaps... The problem is, is that the pool's not that big for that level of confusion. Like, it's barely big enough for maybe four people to stand up in, let alone try to swim to a pipe in. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's funny. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. They needed the bits, Seth. They needed the bit. I understand. As a person who does a lot of bits, you know, I, I get that they needed the bits. And it's the pay- Jack had to be last because the payoff of her being very excited that he's there. Yeah, and then they yeah. have their first kiss. <laughs> then they have their, their first, first kiss. kiss. There, yes. was, there was some narrative uh, uh, requirements driving that one. Yeah, <laughs> which was very unearned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, so unearned. <laughs> We will say at this point, it's clear that having known him for perhaps four hours and having interacted directly with him for perhaps 30 minutes of that, Mm -hmm. uh, Kim Cattrall is very concerned or Gracie Law is very concerned about Jack Burton's whereabouts and well-being. Uh, And then he plants one on her and she's a little bit surprised and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just happy to be alive. She's like, sure. And then they swim off. Yeah, it's the whole will they, won't they thing that is completely just written in. It's, right. you know, it's not established or demonstrated anyway. It's just, oh, because he's a guy and she's a girl and they're the only ones on screen right now, there is some sort of chemistry and they want each other. The yeah. two white people have to yeah. get together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I can hon- and I can honestly say, I um, even the first time I saw this, I, that I remember that catching me off guard and I'm like, I'm not really rooting for them as a I think couple. It, yeah, I, would, yeah. I would have been fine if they never even went there. That, that, I think that's where we got the idea of a romantic subplot feeling tacked on is because of movies like this, where it's like, just because there's a, a man and a woman, we're going to make them smooch a couple of times, even though they don't end up together. That's not, it doesn't move the plot along in any way. And yeah, right. it feels been... tacked on because it is. It, well, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And later on, like at the in the what's almost the last scene of the movie, we have there's an interaction with them which suggests a much greater level of emotional intimacy than we ever see. Yeah. in in the movie, I guess um, they're just. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I guess they're just assuming that these two. Let's be honest; they're both really hot people. These two really hot people would just naturally want to get down yeah, I mean, yeah. there's it, it's not completely illogical no that makes sense yeah no I mean, but it's I it's would. like to i guess to <laughs> talk about it now since we are and not talk about it later in the movie the the lines for both of them are basically like jack's like i could sell my truck and settle down with you and she's like or you could just get a an apartment that's big enough for two and i'm like why are you talking about cohabitating yeah <laughs> This that's this, this, way too early. Like, talk about a first mm-hmm. date. How about that? Yeah, you're doing too fast, guys. You're moving too fast. So, yeah. I mean, since we're talking about this, and, and again, spoilers, who cares? Um, my favorite, one of my favorite lines delivery, if not my favorite line delivery of Jack's in this whole movie is when, at the very end, Burton says, well, aren't you even going to kiss her? And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> And, it and, gave me everything I ever wanted. <laughs> I like, and I will say in that scene, Kim Cattrall is very, again, we can debate the, the merits of her acting, 
But in that scene, I have never, I don't think I've ever seen Kiss Me vibes that glaringly obvious. Yes. And it's not, it's not in a bad way. It's just that. No, it was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, she sold. Yeah, I agree. Because that wasn't a line. That wasn't a line of cheesy dialogue. That was just acting with your eyes. That was just give off the Kiss Me vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Baby, I can't turn off the Kiss Me vibes. Hey. So then they are they are running through the warehouse. They're trying to get away. There's another one of these great moments where Jack's like, okay, it's just an office beyond this. It's a false front. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. He opens the door. Half the wing Kung is standing there. He closes the door and he goes, all right, we might be trapped. <laughs> yeah. A very Han Solo kind of moment. Yeah, yeah. It, was. it was. It was a very Han Solo yes. moment. Yeah. It was, it was also, honestly, it was a very Looney Tunes moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, but it was again. It's one of those things that is for me. It's just a, it's this perfect little moment of humor, and I love it. Yeah, and then it was just. A, and this is. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say. And then he justified it when he said hide. Right. And yeah. they and they and Wing goes hide. He was like, they only saw me. It was like, wow, that was brilliant. That yeah. was yeah. like, <laughs> was that, like that's on your feet thinking. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, again, justifying his existence around all of the, like, goofy things that he has effed up, he's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He, and there's about to be another one of those. They're, they uh, The Wing Kung bursts through the door. Jack shoots a bunch of them. They back off a little bit. Uh, Wang goes in to start to, to do some Kung Fu. Jack's like, oh, I'm going to help him out. I'm going to get the knife out of my boot. He fumbles it and, like, ends up throwing the knife a good eight feet away from him goes <laughs> not over effectively, to not, not effectively, at a target, not yeah. at a target, just slips out of his hand. He goes over to get it. In the meantime, Wang beats up everyone. Jack jumps out from behind the, uh, uh, pallets or whatever they were gun in one hand, knife with the other goes, ha! and there's no one there. <laughs> no one to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Wang That's has taken like, care of oh, all of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then they they round up everybody. They are leaving, uh, and they have to go back through the lobby again. And Jack and Wang go in as the phone guys to bluff them. He's told to Gracie blave. to blame. <laughs> He's told Gracie to bring up the rear, but while they're bluffing the phone guys, the eyes of one of the statues slide away. And you see two inhumanly red orbs watching. And then while everyone else is leaving, the, the statue pulls away. It's a false door and some sort of demon grabs Gracie. So, so they they, almost that was so out yeah. of left field. It was, yeah. I, I know, like, what is the point of that demon in the movie? There doesn't appear really to be one. He's just wandering <laughs> around. <laughs> just, you can make a case that that demon isn't there because no one ever discusses it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Lopan doesn't ever address the demon. Do we no. ever see them in the same room at the same time? Uh, good question. Yeah, are they the same birds? Anyway. See, my thought when that was happening, I was like, ooh, she's going to have an ally within the, within the, within the, the group. Like this, this animal is going to capture her and there's going to be some sort of team up with them later on. But that never paid off. You no, know, and, and the demon never shows up to. He doesn't. He's not clearly on Lopan's staff. There's not a point where Lopan says, 
you know, sick him, my demon. Right. And it's almost like he just has demons, like like people might have rats. Like, oh, geez, yeah. I got a bad case of demons in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's a, you're going to need a young priest and an old priest for that. Oh, dear. Do you want demons? Because that's how you get demons. That's yeah. how you get demons. <laughs> oh, boy, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so... They everybody except Gracie piles into Eggshan's bus, and they're all really congratulatory until they realize they didn't get Wang's fiance and they've lost Gracie. So this is again what Ben was talking about. Once again, they go back home. Not, they, not, not a complete success, guys. Yeah, they they leave the movie for a bit. The demon carries Gracie down into the bowels of the under world that that and shackles her immediately and shackles her shackling that ever did shackle yeah now that's a euthanism i hope (laughs) hope (laughs) she's getting shackled yeah uh and then uh i think thunder and wind come in and are sort of laughing to each other and then they realize she has green eyes and they take her to lopan Mm mm-hmm yeah, that seems like as good a yep. good, yeah. We're going with that. What they, yes, <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and then Lopan the, is like, huh, she also has green, like... She ha- also has green eyes. Yeah. And green it, eyes. it never rains, but it pours, right? You know, yeah, it's like, years with nothing. And then two green-eyed women in one day. How about that? What are the odds? He's like Jack Tripper. Now he has to go. Out, he has and, to sacrifice these two women at once. <laughs> and the thing is, if you were if you were to remake this movie, you would have to like because in 1986, color contacts were a thing. Like you only had if you were like it was. It wasn't like there were a million cosplayers who had like Sasuke Sukiyomi eyes. You know what I'm saying? It was just right. it was just strictly for kind of very rare very rare it would be now it'd be like make sure those are not contacts yeah <laughs> because they're both wearing contacts yeah brunette-eyed women yeah brown-eyed women and it is to be said i uh mao mao lin yeah, mao lin, yeah. Uh, wings girl yeah. is mao yin okay. stunning she is a stunning woman Playboy i would centerfold was she Mm-hmm. Oh, not surprised. Do you know what she got to surprise? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a second. My memories have just been sold. Oh, no. <laughs> and she is a centerfold. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she has all of five lines. And oh, they're yeah. all no. and they're all one word lines. And, and they're all stuff centerfold. like no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there have been other Playboy centerfolds who have done acting. Oh yeah, yes, but this was not one of them. No. Um, so she goes. She goes into the room like we've seen earlier. Like we missed. I didn't discuss this because it's again. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot. But there's a scene where Miao Yin is hovering about four feet above the floor, and David Lopan comes in and does creepy bad guy thing to captive woman, and then we have that scene again when Gracie comes in. And he once again does creepy bad guy thing to Captain Woman. Yeah. And explains essentially that what he's going to do, I think, is sacrifice her to Chung Dai and then live with Miao Yen. Yeah, he's got he's one one to sacrifice and one to be married to. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're using be married as kind of a euphemism, uh, although oh, it is also literally point. true. 
so the guys end up back at the restaurant. They decide they have to go out once again. They tell the reporter to stay behind. Uh, and Egg Shen, at this point, gathers a bunch of the Chung, uh, Chung Sin. The Wing Kong. No, the Wing Kong are the bad guys, I think. Oh, uh, the, I don't remember. Sorry. Okay. The yellow, the yellow turbid guys. He gathers a bunch of them as sort of a strike force uh, and takes them to his warehouse where he has a bunch of weird medicinal ingredients. Puts together a bunch of stuff. A demon bag. A demon, six demon bags. Six six demon demon bag. bag. That's right. Uh, And a potion and says, okay, let's go. So then we we sort of cut between uh, the guy's journey through this weird underworld, which we're sort of told like there was a big earthquake a thousand years ago and it let loose some stuff that it shouldn't have. So there's a bunch of weird crap under LA. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the Lopan getting prepared to be married. And it, it, this is the point where we have the katas, mm-hmm. where we have both uh, Thunder and Wind do some katas down a hallway toward the women, and then they uh, they pass the test of the burning blade, which is not a euphemism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a euphemism. There is a test of the burning blade. Uh, I mean, and, it's a metaphor, though. It yeah. was it was oh, definitely yeah. metaphor. They had Usually, to it clears up in about two weeks with some mm-hmm. antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if you're wondering what happened, they they both took hold of one of Wind's blades. It began to glow. Neither of them let go. They floated up to the ceiling and both touched some sort of half sphere on the ceiling, which lit up some dragon eyes, and that was how they passed that test. They that both it. passed it. I think the idea was like maybe one of them, you know, he's trying to find out which one of these should I use for the ceremony or whatever, and they both touched it. So they, they both games did. on. Yep. And the only thing that happens in this weird journey under uh, in the underworld is that a weird insect snake thing comes out and eats one of the yellow turbid guys, and then and, and, and then, then they seal it. Care of it. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Egg's like, "I'll just seal this up. I'll just I'm taking care of this for the." Well, let, let's be fair. The monster just had a good stealth roll and one initiative. That's true. Uh, <laughs> can't, I, I do want to say <laughs> they did have a really good bit where Jack Burton's like, "It's not coming out again. What is it? What's not coming out?" Uh, and he's completely at sea and kind of freaked out, which is which is fun. Can we touch on really uh, enough the the drugs that they drug themselves up with? Well, they haven't drugged themselves drunk up. Themselves. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, they haven't they taken just, it yet. That's after the worm? That's yeah. after the worm, yeah. They saw so, that, so that sober. They saw that sober. So they climb up into David Lopin's richly appointed headquarters. Uh, they don't see anybody. They don't see anybody. They don't see anybody. Out of nowhere somewhere, Eggshen finds a bar, uh, pours his drink into a bunch of very fancy cups, everybody drinks up, and then proceeds to get slightly high. Yeah, th- this is like, um, what was that race from um, Star Trek? I don't know if anyone watches Star Trek. The the alien soldiers where they were like constantly... Jem Hadar. The Jem Hadar. Did they have some sort of narcotic that they were addicted to? Yes. Yes. 
was reminding me of that, but it's just it also seems super effective because they were they did they didn't have any anxiety going yep. into this big fight. They seemed focused. You know, maybe it's like taking an Adderall before a test. Let's call <laughs> it what it was. It was ecstasy. It seems like it seemed like yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a scene in the elevator where they're talking about how high yeah. they feel, and one of one of the yellow turban guys just sort of puts his hand on Egg Shen's shoulder. Just starts rubbing his just starts rubbing his sh- ever so gently. And Jack yeah. is super sweaty afterwards. And then yeah. there's that scene where Jack and Kim Cattrall kiss again. Yeah. That's pretty E-like. Um, was, in that elevator, I just was expecting that guy to go, he's so soft. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't he, like, doesn't he feel soft? Yeah, I just <laughs> love you guys. I, I just love you. I love you. Who taught you how to tie your shoes? <laughs> <laughs> so, so David Lopan is preparing. He's getting married. He's performing part of the ceremony. He uses the needle of love again, not a euphemism. To uh, that's the needle of love. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Huey Lewis is up there. It's a wedding band. Yeah. He's got the news with him. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you're just too loud. <laughs> anyway, he he. Uh, draws some blood from Miao Yin and that gives him flesh and he's really excited about it. Unfortunately, the gang is spotted by what is essentially a sphere full of eyes, some of them on stalks, one of them on the tongue. Yeah. It's this really gross, fleshy little thing. I feel like that's like a Slimer type thing. Like they're like, yeah. we, need a, we need a Slimer creature. We need, yeah, we need a Slimer. I can see the executives. <laughs> a Slimer type. Yeah. Oh, we need a Slimer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but, a slimer. with a bunch of eyes. Yeah. Like a bunch of gross, gross eyes. And, yeah. it's kind of like oh, I knew it. <laughs> it's kind of like that thing in, um, in Flash Gordon, the Flash Gordon movie, where the hovering little thing that escorts yeah. them to me yeah. isn't there a, isn't that based on a famous dungeons and dragons monster isn't there one of the books has an eye oh an i eye said sphere? It, it looks like a beholder um and it kind of does but beholders are also very uh, powerful yeah behold beholders are terrifying this thing was only mildly frightening yeah you could tell that the it guy who designed disgusting. it has seen that oh yeah, yeah no, oh absolutely 100 yeah, yeah. it felt to me as if the not beholder beholder and the weird werewolfy Chewbacca guy and, uh, and the things that came out of the walls, the worms are all just served as a reminder that this is a John Carpenter film. It's not a John Carpenter script. He didn't write it, but he did direct it and And did the music and did the music. And if you're going to have that kind of, if if you're going to have that kind of auteur, Doing yeah, some creatures around mm-hmm. in 1980, whatever this was, four, six, six. thank yeah. you, 86. Yeah, um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get Slimer with 13 eyes on him, and, and you're gonna get some classic, mouth. some classic John Carpenter jump scares. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when that thing came out of the hole, I jumped, <laughs> I definitely jumped when the uh, the at the very end of the little tag when the orangutan wolf monster yeah. popped mm-hmm. up. Oh, yeah. I jumped yeah. again. Yeah. That's very, yeah. Like you said, it, the work, the work got me, but the one at the end in it, because it was just that tracking shot was so long. I was like, what are you trying to show me? Should I already be seeing it? Cause if you're, you're on this truck for so long, I feel like you're trying to tell me something. And, uh, and then it showed up. And I was like, oh, finally, it's, it's just a monster. Okay. Great. There we go. Yeah. I feel better now. Yeah. But I was watching with the wonderment of a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't use your adult brain? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so we... Go ahead. 
Yeah, I know. I was, I was just going to say the guys basically sneak into this weird, incredibly ornate ritual chamber, complete with like the facade of a giant skull with teeth, a giant horned skull with sharp teeth. And neon. And neon. And neon. <laughs> an escalator right down the center and, of and it. And an escalator. Like this, it's like this a is, Vegas lobby. I don't know where you get the permits for that. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I, I don't know what that looked like. You don't but. remember the Chinatown Underground Mall in San Francisco? <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly. That's exactly it. And they roller did. disco? Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't you don't come all the way to this country and build a railroad and not pick up a little something about construction. <laughs> all right, fair enough. And you know, Lopan was there when that was happening. So, yeah. yeah. Um so the guys sneak in and then the little eye sphere sees them and alerts Lopan and then there's another fight and this is this is like the big climactic this, fight this sequence. This is the fight. Yeah, yes. and it's like the the yellow turban guys are outnumbered, but they're all hopped up on the potion, so they're kicking a bunch of ass. Uh, they're showing each other the little hand sign, which is um, pointer finger up, thumb out, other three fingers curled down, um, which after this movie I inevitably will do for the next couple of days, just walk around like <laughs> yeah. flashing that at people. It's like, um, good job. Good job. And Wang fights wind. This is Wang's apotheosis. This is like the hero moment for Wang. It is. It is a beautiful wirework scene where yeah. they're both jumping at each other. Uh, Fighting like, midair. And I want yeah, to say like the first three versions are like they jump at each other. They have one swing at each other pass. in the apex of the fight. And then right. they're, Yeah. And then there's another one where they're fighting. They're jumping alongside and fighting side by side. Which, why? Like, why? Like, yeah, it, it was just, still. it was just, it's just, you know, here's, here's some wuxia. Yeah. yeah. You know. But it's, it's so cool. And like, here we have Wang, who we have no reason to believe is any good at anything. You know, we don't know that he is trained with a sword. And it turns out he is trained with a sword. Yeah. And on top of that, he's fighting like a, a I demigod. Don't know, a spirit, a demigod. Yeah. I would hasten to say that we're we're cued in very early on that Wang's going to be good with a sword. He's cutting bottles in half. Oh, we don't get to see it, but we know that he's done it at home several okay. times. That's a good point. That's a good and point. then we see him as an excellent fighter anytime there's a tussle. Yeah. So of course he's going to take on the big bosses because and his compadre is going to. Uh, try to take his knife out of his boot and get trapped under the guy that he's fighting. Oh, it's, it's, this, Only this, after this, knocking himself out, that's right. shooting this, up into the air. This is yeah. the scene where Jack starts the scene by knocking himself out. Yeah, yeah he, he shoots like a up into the air, American concrete and knocks himself out. And then you know, we neglected to mention that there's two guys or beings or spirits in this weird, very ceremonial, very heavy armor one of them starts charging at Jack, so he does this thing where he basically pushes the uh, the blade of his knife through a loop in the side of his boot and catches that guy in the stomach. And then, <laughs> not unlike Pee Wee Herman at the end of the Buffy movie, every time we cut back to him, he's like, ah, stop! <laughs> trying to get out from under this thing. I, I would pinned, say there's... Yeah. I would say there's an argument to be made if you want to, like that Wang, when Wang couldn't cut the bottle, he says because his head and his heart are north and south. Well, now he's in this fight to rescue the woman that he loves yeah. and to do what's right. And now, so his head and his heart are in the same spot. So all of a sudden, he's a badass. Yeah. And he's on the potion. 
Yeah, it's the, the ecstasy. Yeah. That's all you need, really. It's just take a little ecstasy and you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. I uh, wanted him to grab Wynn's hair and go, it's so soft. <laughs> <laughs> Do you condition? What I want to go outside. I want to go outside. <laughs> no, no, let's go back inside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wang kills Wind pretty easily. Uh, Jack ends up sort of rescuing uh, Meow Yin. No, Not Gracie. really. And well, Gracie comes up to him and then he's like, we got to get out of here. But Oh no, uh, Lopan yeah, takes me out. There's, and there's like this whole thing where he tries to discourage pursuit by making the top half of the skull come down over the escalator, but Wang's able to get through it anyway, except <laughs> that Jack and Gracie have to go by another route and they end up, uh, Oh, they go up through the, the Buddha elevator. And they come out the Buddha elevator and uh, Lopan and Thunder are there and Lopan is doing some stuff like he's like, ah, yes, I love you and you will be my wife. And then she's like, no, no. And then he's like, all right, Thunder, take this bitch. I mean, literally (laughs) is is what happens. Uh, And um, to uh, all women on the Internet who have interacted with men, you'll recognize that pattern. (laughs) that's That's a nice guy right there. Yeah. You call. I wanted to stay married with you, but now I have to kill you because yeah. you. I lost my other wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jack comes around the corner. He's at got point, his. Yeah. At, at this point, had Jack and uh, Gracie smooched? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. They, yeah. in, in, in the elevator on the way up. Oh, and it's this great thing. He's got half of her lipstick on a, his mouth. A ludicrous amount of lipstick. Like, he he has more lipstick than one person needs on his well, face. <laughs> yeah. But she was, both she of was them are very up. heavily made up for this sure. ceremony. Yeah, so. ritual makeup and whatnot. And he's got lipstick on his mouth and on his teeth. Just a big oh diagonal smudge. Yeah. So, oh can I... I small personal change and I'll make it quick because we're going so long but I was doing a show where I was um, dressed as a woman and uh, in the show I had my my ex-husband and I had a kiss and all through rehearsal we had not rehearsed the kiss we were just like okay and we'll do that and then then we kiss and so we get to the dress rehearsal which was an invited dress for people in the audience so we get to the kiss <laughs> we kiss and then i had this big monologue where i'm like and, and such and such will happen and blah, blah 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 and i turn around and look at the guy playing my ex-husband and half my makeup is just across <laughs> his face <laughs> he was caucasian i am african-american so i look at him and i'm just like jesus <laughs> it's like oh Honey, you've got a little something. Yeah. <laughs> those are, and those those had to be the wrong tones entirely for his skin. So oh, it was, yeah. It looked like somebody hit him with a chocolate pie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a euphemism. Oh, brother. <laughs> so the important that lesson is, here is that is uh, a very funny don't, story. Yeah. Don't save it for the night. Yeah. Like, you got to rehearse these things. You got to rehearse yeah. it. And also, I didn't know how to do makeup. <laughs> <laughs> God, no, I, I took an entire class about how to do makeup, you know, 20 odd years ago. And uh, all I remember is powder, powder, powder. You can never have too much powder, <laughs> which like, if you know. Is, is spot on. He nailed is, it. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's exactly it. what our makeup teacher sounded like. Yeah. Um, 
we had uh, we had a number of characters as our teachers. Uh, Joan being the other the other one. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's true in almost any department anywhere, but especially when you deal with like a theater department. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just gonna let their freak flag fly, baby. Characters yeah. welcome. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we we didn't go to college at USA. Yes, that's uh, we went Remember to USA. Our, our USA, nutty old Mr. Monk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to shake his hand once, didn't work. Uh, anyway, all right. So, so Jack steps out, makeup's uh, covering his mouth. Yeah, and he's giving yet another Jack monologue about what to hap- what happens when you mess with Jack Burton, and uh, Thunder goes, "Who?" <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> like, Jack just, Burton, me, me, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Wang is there. Wang shows up too. We like Wang finds them, so Wang is able to start fighting Thunder. Um, and Jack, as Ben put it, telegraphs this throw, takes his knife, does everything but lick his thumb to check the wind. <laughs> <laughs> And throws it at Lopan, who moves out of the way, and it hits a gong. So then uh, Miao Yin runs to get behind Jack. He sort of moves, tells her and Gracie to, like, get off to the side into one of the corridors. And in what is perhaps... One of the things I said about this movie is that almost everything happens by accident to Jack. Again, as we, as I think Ben put it earlier, the movie is happening to Jack. He He is... He's making choices to go along with what's happening, but everything is happening to him. So, Lopan throws the knife at him. Jack catches the knife and immediately throws it back at Lopan, hitting him in the skull through the brain. Right and then the he says, awesome. "Yeah." And then he says, "It's all in the reflex. All in the reflexes." Which is cool callback, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was established. It was like we organically established that Jack has these crazy reflexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, but it's again, it's this beauty. He doesn't hit the bad guy when he means to. No, right. not at all. It, he hits him on instinct. He, and he it's, hits him as part of a block. Yeah, it, it's, it's 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 just another demonstration of that that conscious thought does not do Jack Burton very much. Good. No, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. no. Uh, so then we uh, we go back to find Wang in in almost a Scooby Doo esque sequence where he is flipping through like we see the camera the camera is looking into a room and he will flip through it and then Thunder will run after him swinging at air and then he goes back through it and Thunder is running after him swinging at air like the only way it could have been more Scooby Doo is if he'd run across carrying Thunder at one point and then they looked at each <laughs> other and realized they were supposed to be fighting. Um, <laughs> I very much appreciate it. was after all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, so they, th- he comes out into the room. Everybody's rescued. Thunder comes out following him, looks and sees Lopan dead. And then essentially just gets so angry that he swells and explodes. He explodes. He explodes. So that's what happened. He wasn't trying. I thought he was trying to like become the Hulk essentially. No, he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was overtaken by his anger. Like he, yeah. you know how he, puffed up that first couple of times yeah. this time he just was so angry he couldn't stop far. himself yeah 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 i always felt like it happened by accident okay yeah, yeah um we we also again get some really like grotesque practical effects of his hand expanding and his 
feet expanding so much that they burst out of his shoes. And then we get a cut to his face, which sort of looks like almost kind of the sequence in Total Recall where Arnold is inside uh, yeah. the the large what, woman and the head just. Did you ever see yeah. um, Drop Dead Fred? Yes. Yeah. There was a yeah. scene where Fred's face gets run over by a truck and he comes up and it's that same, it's that oh, same yeah. look as well. Yeah. Like, like large Marge. Large yes. Yeah. So he explodes. They're all running to safety in a corridor. Uh, and then lightning shows up yes, at the does. other end. Got one more storm left. <laughs> one more storm. And they get out essentially by, there's a hole in the roof that they get out through into another room and then they look up and there's another hole in the roof or hole in the ceiling and Egg Shen and everybody else is up in that second level of whatever. And they start climbing through that. Oh, we have to talk about the crossbow. Yes. <laughs> Egg, oh, definitely. Egg Shen has a crossbow that looks like something you'd send away for in the back of a comic book. And it defies all laws yeah. of physics. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a little, it's a little hand crossbow. Little hand crossbow. With a winch. With a winch. He shoots it down. It's got this sort of uh, string on two pulleys. It's a clothesline. It's a clothesline. It's a clothesline. And everybody gets out by hanging onto the clothesline. You then see a cut of somebody holding the crossbow. And then for whatever reason, the rope just carries them up. Egg Shen's like... Yeah, Yeah, he's got guys. He's ripped. He's got to be deceptively powerful. You lift lift Egg Shen? Uh, he, he lifted Jack Burton. Uh, and <laughs> as as they're doing this, lightning starts to come up out of that first hole in the ceiling, and then they drop a Buddha statue on him, and that's the end of lightning. Yes. And then everybody is once again running out of the building, uh, being chased by the security guards who who don't know that their entire command structure is dead. Is dead. <laughs> yeah. They jump into the bus, and that's it. Like. The Wing Kong is apparently, once the security guards go back into the building and realize that that they're it, they do not retaliate. They're like, we're done. Yeah, yeah. this is good. We're, we gotta, we have to move on. We have to ball, put dust off our resumes. Yeah, yeah. there's a power vacuum. They'll, and they'll fix. In the last scene, essentially we have this, this wrap-up where all's well that ends well. Uh, uh, Miao Yin and Wang are going to be together. Uh, the reporter and Eddie start. This is where the come over and help me think of a title line comes up. And then we have the scene that we already discussed here at the end of the movie where Kim Cattrall is giving off kissy vibes and mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Russell just says no. And then we end the movie with Jack Burton giving one of his monologues and the shot that we already talked about, which is the trailing shot where all of a sudden the demon who has apparently been clinging to the undercarriage of the cab of the truck comes out onto the back of the truck. Um, And again, this is where it's weird because the movie would have been a lot more effective if it had, as I think was intended, started with a Jack Burton monologue and ended with a Jack Burton monologue. If you're going to do that weird scene about Egg Shen and the lawyer at the beginning, it needs to pay pay off and it never did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they and, interrupted. They interrupted the bookends. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess the the monster being in the you know hiding in the uh, the back of the, uh, the 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 tractor is uh, is kind of a, a feels like a head nod to Carpenter's horror roots. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it, I don't know, to me, I, when I first saw it, it made me think there's going to be a sequel. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, probably what they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but and probably, I would have I would have been up for it. I, so I would, yeah, I would definitely there. be in for another Jack Burton movie. But what would interest me more would not be a direct continuation of Big Trouble in Little China. Like I don't need to see how he deals with the demon. Just show me another adventure of Jack Burton. Right? Movie. No, run. yeah, because I know he has adventures all the time. Like that's just my personal preference. I want to say I think there is a comic book series. Oh, oh yeah, that, that's right. I think that's right. There, there's mm. some comic books out there if you want to see the continuing adventures of, of old Jack Burton. Like before or after the movie? Don't know. After, uh, I believe. Wow. Oh, nice. Okay. Eric Powell. I love it. He's the guy that did the... The, oh, the, the guy goon. that did the goon. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is oh. the goon still happening, by the way? Uh, I have... You know what? I don't know. I tried looking that up recently, and I didn't get very deep into it. All so right. Uh, note to self, look up the goon. Folks, if you haven't read the goon comic, it's worth a look. So good. Uh, so... And that is, of course, the end of the movie, uh, which means that we are now down to the end of the show. And I have just looked up. I have done a little research of my own, and I have figured out that this episode is coming out on uh, December 7th, the day that will live in infamy. Um, yes. So why don't we go ahead and do, on that note, why don't we go ahead and do plugs? Um, this is going to go in reverse order of the way I see people on my screen. Jim, is there anything you'd like to plug on December 7th? On December, uh, no, I have nothing to plug. Well, wait, I, no, don't you have your own business? I do. You I can do. Plug that. You, well, I guess if you like to buy magic cards, you can go to cardtitan.com. Um, if you're of a mind for some, uh, I'll plug my son. He, uh, he writes uh, write, he writes live novel light novels. You look up Jimmy Sharkey on Amazon.com and he's got a couple of books that he's published himself. Oh, that's writing awesome. since he was that's like really 16. Cool. Um, but uh, I guess that's think about that stuff. I just want to hang out with my friends and talk movies. <laughs> I, I know. That's, but we do like to give everybody a chance to plug something. Uh, so Matt, do you have anything to plug? Uh, other than the clink tank, I'll let Patrick do that. Uh, no, you do it. That's no. what you're here for. <laughs> Do some work. (laughs) I want to plug something else. Um, But the, uh, yes, the clink tank. We talk about everything and everything but politics. 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 But um, I'm doing this interesting, I'm filming this thing this week. Um, It's called, it's a board game or it's not board game, but it's like an interactive game called Hunt a Killer. Oh, okay. oh yeah do you know what that is have you heard about it i've heard yeah. the commercial for it um, yeah, facebook ads all the time so i am filming a part in it where i am a suspect uh my wife has died and i am a suspect um so i don't Sus. know how, i don't know the actual outlook the outline of it so i don't know where if you I did it if i did it or not you did it's always but the husband you did say it's the husband yeah yeah it's, it's something you can get at target or online or something so that's a pretty mm. cool project. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's coming out in the early 2021. So please be on the lookout for that. All right. We'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, ben, do you have anything to plug? Week of December 7th. No, sir. I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, I'll just try to invite you to do more of these podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, Allison, sweetie, do you yeah. have anything to plug? Yes, we can. Yeah, we the only thing I have to plug is my mother's 70th birthday on oh. December 12th, yeah. which awesome. sucks that we can't all be together this year, but happy birthday, mm. Kathy. 
Happy birthday, Kathy. Happy birthday, Kathy. Yeah, my dad also turned 70 this year, but it was a while ago, so we'll... I just wanted to mention that. Um, Steve. You just had to steal Kathy's thunder there for a second. No, I didn't want to steal Kathy's thunder. You don't love your mother-in-law. I know how it is. (laughs) She could listen to this, sweetie. Shh. I would have to explain her what a podcast was. Yeah, that's true. Uh, All right, Steve, do you have anything to plug week of December 7th? Uh, Nothing week of December 7th, but uh, if you want some... Pre-pandemic improv, you can look up Mr. and Mrs. Major, which is a two-person improv team that my wife and I do. Uh, We've got a Facebook page. Uh, If you dig around long enough on YouTube, you'll find our YouTube channel. Nice. And also, the week of December 7th, a lot of people have been traveling for Thanksgiving, which means they will be contagious. So stay home. Yes. Once again, as we're Patrick and I like to do on these shows, we'd like to plug Sanity. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Patrick, do you have anything that you want to plug that week? Um, other than the Clink Tank, um, which you've heard plenty of plugs for. So I'm not. <laughs> and Matt's half ass one. Uh, oh, damn. <laughs> um, I am just going to. Yeah, I'm going to pile on what Steve said. Uh, we've made pleas before this on prior episodes. of like, you know keep in mind other people and keep in mind, you know, that safety is key. So please. Yeah. We know that people don't listen. So now once again, you know, mind where you go, mind what you do and who you're doing it with the best way to stay connected with someone is to be around and not be sick. So Use Zoom. Use the, you know that your your cell phone, the operative word in that is phone, call people. You know, you can still be together without being in the same room. They're in the computer? The files are in the computer. Uh, Seth? uh, Well, there is one. I've already mentioned most of the other podcasts I do, but I I would like to plug something. This is very important. Hello, Georgia. How are you doing? (laughs) Yes. You got an important election yes. coming up. Uh, folks, I, I know you went out there and you voted for Biden. We need you to vote for Ossoff and Warnock. <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. We need you to vote for them. If you cannot vote for them, consider donating to them. I just did. Um, and if you know anybody in Georgia who is is not planning on voting, try to get them out to vote for for the love of God. Yes. For the love of God, Montresor, we need <laughs> those two people in the Senate. So, hey, Georgia. Hey, Georgia. <laughs> You're on my mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, and with that, of course, we've come to the end of the plugs. And now we're all going to go out and get some Chinese food, thanks to the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But we, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. We do. We hope you're having a good day. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and we will see you on the next special episode. So goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Cheers, Bye. one and all. Bye.